James chapter 1 and hopefully you have a little uh, a little couple of little pieces of paper with some scripture on it <clears throat> we'll talk about that a little bit <clears throat> okay let's begin by looking back a little bit um, um, <clears throat> verse 19 this you know my brethren but everyone must be quick to hear slow to speak slow to anger for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God therefore because of that therefore put aside all filthiness and all that uh, remains of wickedness and humility receive the word implanted which is able to save your soul but prove yourself doers of the word and not, not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and have gone away, he has, not immediate, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. If you were <clears throat> describing that situation in one little phrase that we use here a lot, what would it be? Anybody got an idea? That's, that's, that's good. How about in one ear and out the other? You hear, it's gone. And that's what, that's what James is saying here. You're not taking in the word. You know, you just hear it. And that's it. Verse 25. But one who looks intently at the perfect law of liberty and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. In other words, when he hears, he acts upon what he hears. And last week we talked about it. You know, <clears throat> listening to sermons, listening to counsel, listening to these good things, and then we don't, we don't, we don't do anything about them. So we are not an effectual hearer or doer of the word that the Lord has allowed us to see. Okay, so the lesson this morning picks up in verse 26. <clears throat> if anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Now we're not talking about convictions or something that you keep within yourself, but we are talking about the practice of your faith. The practice of your faith. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, and yet does not bridle his tongue. And we just got through looking at verse nine, uh, 19 down there. Brethren, uh, Christians, but everyone must be quick to hear and slow to speak. Now James is going to pick up the tongue in chapter 3. We're going to count there a while about, about this little me member that gets out of the way of our teeth. You know, it, it's just, it's amazing. 
It's amazing. Uh, but I want you to look at a phrase here. But deceives his own heart. For this man's religion is worthless. Worthless. I don't normally go to the message, but I look at it from time to time. But this is what the message says about that verse. Anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is self-deceiving. This kind of religion is hot air and only hot air. Turn, if you will, Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. This is our Lord speaking. Beginning with verse 1. Matthew chapter 15. Then some of the Pharisees and the scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Jesus answered and said to them, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God? For the sake of your tradition. For God said, Honor your father and your mother. He who speaks evil of father and mother is to be put to death. But whoever says to his father or his mother, Whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. So he is not to honor his father or his mother, but by this you invalidate the word of God for the sake of your traditions, you hypocrites. Rightly did Isaiah prophesy, you people honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. <clears throat> but in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine in the precepts of men. After Jesus called the crowd to himself, he said, Hear and understand, it is not what enters into the mouth that defiles a man, but what proceeds out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then the disciples came to him and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard your statement? But he answered and said, Every plant which the Heavenly Father did not plant shall be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. If a blind man guides a blind man, they'll both fall into the pit. Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. Jesus said, You are still liking and understanding also. Do you not understand that everything that goes into mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. And those defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are the things which defile the man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. Look back at verse 18. But these things 
that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. Back to James. <clears throat> 26. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. We'll pause now for station identification. <laughs> Be slow to speak. Because the mouth speaks what the heart says. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Jesus said that. And James, as a pastor, has a pastor's heart. He's coming back and he says, this is a negative. This is a negative. Yeah, the... The thing of hypocrite, we've all, uh, we've all heard it, been accused of it, all these kind of things, you know, because we had measured up to somebody's standard. We need to be careful what we say and what we speak. <clears throat> There's a little chorus we used to sing when I was uh, growing up. Oh, what you are. Speak so loud that the world can't hear what you're saying. They're looking at your walk, not listening to your talk. They're judging from your actions every day. Religion. I hate the word. Uh, it's, uh, it's ritual. It's, it's things. Dr. and I were reading this morning in Exodus in our Bible study. The Lord was describing to Moses all the priestly garments and I get bogged down in a lot of that type of stuff you know the, the do this and do that and, um, we got through and we looked at one another and we said what does that mean <laughs> I said I have no idea but the Lord wrote it you know we'll take it from that but, but the things we do just to do to show people and worse than that our actions, you know, what we what we do, they're they come from our they come from our our heart. And he says, "Don't do that." So James points out in verse twenty six is negative, and then he comes back in verse twenty seven like a good pastor. He would never leave you with his negative, but he says, "But here's a positive." He said, "Pure and run undefiled religion." in the sight of our God and the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their distress and keep one self unstained by the world pure and undefiled religion in the sight of the Father is this visit the orphans and the widows in their distress and keep one unspotted or unstained by the world Go to 1 Timothy chapter 5. We said this a little bit last week, but 
widows and orphans were a very have a very special place uh, to the Lord, and they had a very spe special place in the New Testament church. If you remember, uh, in chapter six, when uh, 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 when the they came to him and he says, "Look, we have a problem here. The Hebrews the women are getting their the the widows are getting their." daily requirement of food but the Greeks are not and and they said look we need to appoint some people to take take this over and he appointed what they call various demons and we as uh, covenant has tried to correct uh, something that happened because deacons in most church are, are a body that uh, administers and governs in this. But that's not what the first deacons were in our care group. Givers are back to the mold of ministering to people and blessing them and being with them. And you're gonna see our caregivers take a little bit more a bigger role in 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 our congregation. Every Sunday school class has got one. Alright. Put you on the spot. Who is our care minister in this in this class? Ms. Gail. So, if you have a need, tell her. If you have a prayer request, tell her. And there, we're going to work on on this being a real ministry. Now, today, you're going to hear from both. Uh, I love to hear you pray, and he can get he can get cranked up. So that today he might get cranked up when he when he speaks uh, to our 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 uh, meal there. But <clears throat> the but widows and orphans. All right, let's look at what Timothy says about that in verse three of chapter five of First Timothy. Honor widows who are widows indeed. What does that mean? Anybody know? He quickly tells you who it is. But a widow, a widow indeed is one who has nobody. She's by herself. And in this day and time, if she didn't have a husband to take care of her, she was down to two possibilities. Starving, starvation or prostitution. That's, that's, his, that's her only options at that particular point. But he goes on to say, if they're not widows indeed, and this is it, but, who are widows indeed, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. Now, she who is a widow indeed, and who has been left alone, has fixed her hope on God and continues in entreatings and prayers night and day. But she who gives herself to wanting pleasures is dead even while she lives. Prescribe these things as well so that they may be above reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his own household, and especially for those of his household, 
He is a denier of the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. We, this fast forward in 2,000 years, we, we really, in our society and this group I'm talking to, we don't have that particular problem with a widow and orphans not being taken care of. Now, before there was any government assistance and anything else, the church did that, and we've kind of abdicated that responsibility through through the years. But most widows this day and time are taken care of. Well, let's see what the message says about this last verse. And I think he kind of puts it in a little bit of perspective. Real religion, the kind that passed muster before God, God the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless and loveless in their plight and a guard against corruption from an ungodly world. Reach out. Today, Super Bowl Sunday, Super Bowl, and we're taking up a collection and food for hope and for care of Kershaw. And uh, I argued with myself if I was going to do this or not, so I might as well do it. If you volunteer at either one of those two places, yeah. Bill? Yes. Periodically, probably about once a quarter, we take the youth to hope. They're worthy of your they're worthy of your support. We have people in here, some that are not here this morning and some who are here who are very faithful to give of their time to hope and to care. They're the same people that you'll find on Brooklyn Avenue picking up trash. Uh, they just got a heart for these type people. Uh, may we ever, may we all, may we all look on the less fortunate. Now, are they charlatans? Yes. Are there people who want a handout that that don't need it? Yes. But with as much discernment as you can have, you be faithful to the prompting of the Lord to do what He tells you to do. Dad went to Louisiana College in Alexandria, Louisiana. There's a river runs right through there and it's uh, the Red River and he told me of a chapel class that he went to and he finished in 1929 so it's been a while ago <clears throat> and he said Dr. Cunningham got up in, in, in chapel and says you tithe you tithe to the Lord and if the church takes it and throws it in the old red river, you 
are clean. You've done your responsibility. Now the people that threw it in Old Red River, that's another cup of tea. <clears throat> uh, I was looking for a quote last night from Jerry Clower. I never did find it. But in the process over yesterday and last night, I read, read through his book, Ain't God Good Good, and the man was a tremendous witness for the Lord. And he, he tells several times, he said, once you're saved, he says, this is what you ought to do. He says, get in a Bible-believing church and go to work. <laughs> and can you guess what Jared Clower would say his third point was? Don't be a nitpicker. He said, if the, if the preacher wears a suit you don't like, don't nitpick it. He says, that's not your job. His next thing was said, he says, you give a time to the storehouse. He said, God's blessed you and that's your responsibility to give. James says, watch your mouth because it's indicative of what your heart says. But he says, true religion is one that honors me and basically to the people who have no hope. Who have no hope. Our church does a remarkable job of ministering to the people who have no hope. And if we ever quit, shame on us. Shame on us. We thank you for this class, you know. Pat's not here today, but uh, she took last week our, our last little offering to to Jackie. Uh, it was, I don't know how much it was, but we had the bottom of the floor of that little uh, corded off place full. It filled and up the back of her car. Filled up the back <laughs> of her car. So we thank you for that, and we'll do it again a little bit later. Jackie's place. Now, does Jackie make the best use of it? I don't know. That's not our call. Our call is to give. To give. And Jackie's been in, in, in it a long time, and we just trust her to take care of it. Okay. Chapter 2. Back to James. I've, <laughs> I've been convicted more than a little bit reading and studying James and this first verse hits me. My brethren, I told you last week it's mentioned 16 times in 108 verses. He's, he's talking to Jewish Christians here. My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. Guilty. Guilty. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. We'll pick out somebody. If Mick Volvania would have walked through that door here, I would usher him up here to the front. I wouldn't tell him to go back there and sit by himself. We're all guilty of personal favoritism. 
we're all guilty of, of preferential treatment. And if your Bible is like mine, it's titled first chapter, I mean chapter two, the sin of partiality. Verse two, if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring, dressed in fine clothes, and there comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes, and you say, sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit at my footstool. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and have become judges with evil motives? Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? Go to Matthew chapter 7. There was a time that there was one verse that all non-believers knew. And that verse was John 3.16. I mean, anybody, anybody, everybody knew John 3.16. But it's a little bit different this day and time. Most non-believers know Matthew 7, 1. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. Don't judge me. Do not judge that you will not be judged. Again, this is Jesus talking. This is Jesus talking. And who is he talking to? This is part of the Sermon on the Mountain. He's talking to his disciples and the people that are following him. Verse 2, for in the way you judge you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye and do not notice the log that's in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Back to James. You have made, you have, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? We're all we're all happy with people who do just like us. The people who look like us, who dress like us, I dare say who smell like us. Brooklyn Tabernacle. Uh, the choir has kind of put them on the, on the map. But they were being doing a beautiful work, Brother Simless there, in in uh, in Brooklyn, 
he says the one thing that he had to get over ministering to the people there was after he preached and gave an altar call and these people would come and he said they would come straight off the street in the back alleys and in other places and sometimes they would come reeking with the smell of urine. And yet, when the Lord got a hold of their heart and they were under conviction of the Holy Spirit, they came forward and He says, it was all I could do sometime to hug them. But He says, God told me to hug them. To hug them. I would hope God gives me enough grit and grace to do the same thing. You've heard the story that's gone around the internet from time to time about the church service that was in progress and this old boy came in and he was kind of a, a misfit. His clothes were not quite right and his, his, um, his hair was all messed up. And he came down and there was no really place for him to sit and he just sat cross-legged right in the middle of the aisle and was looking at the preacher. And everybody looked around. What are we going to do? They might not have said it out loud then, but they said it to themselves. What are we going to do? So white-haired beacon in the back. He got up. He went down the aisle. And they said, well, he's fixing to jack this boy up. But it said, he sat down cross-legged in the aisle right next to him and put his arm around. Partiality. We do it every day. We pass up somebody for something else. Station identification. Where are we? James is getting down to the nitty-gritty of where we live. And he says, he says, don't do it. Don't do it. Just like the couple of verses before, it kind of indicates where we are with our heart. Where we are with the heart. It's a heart thing. Arch talked about that when we were going through Isaiah, when we were going through the epistles. It's a heart thing. When we were going through Romans, it's a heart thing. It's not whether you're circumcised or not circumcised. It's not. It's a heart thing. Where, where are you in this heart thing? Well, you're going to straighten up my mess next week. <laughs> well, we'll go and we'll pick up here, second chapter next week. I say we will. Art can do his own thing. And we'll go from there. So, I love you. And it's kind of like Pastor Larry. Uh, don't fuss at him. He's just preaching the Word. If it hits you where it hits you, it hits you. But it's the Word. And that's, that's what we're doing in here. Uh, this young lady that's sitting over here, Miss Daly,